Hello, and welcome to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. So it's no secret, right, that I went to Japan. I've been talking about it for probably a couple months now. But I did. I went to Japan. I finally did it. And it was so amazing. It was really, really amazing. So let me give you some of the background. Um, I got broken up with, right? Also, no secret. And when we were together, we were talking about traveling. Well, I was talking about traveling because I'm always talking about traveling. I always have FOMO. Like, I always am thinking of there's so much to do, there's so much to see in the rest of the world. And I want to be out there. I want to do it, you know? So I mentioned. Let's go somewhere. Let's go to Iceland. Let's go to Japan. And he's like, No, we need to save because if I'm going to move there, you know, we need to have money. Which, yes, it's very logical. It makes sense, of course. So then, you know, he broke up with me. And my new motto is, Fuck it. <laughs> That's my new motto. I think, like, I want to say two weeks later. I booked a flight to Japan and that was in January. I got a good deal. It was super busy at work, but throughout, you know, moments when maybe my off days or after work, I would schedule my itinerary and I would look at these places. You know, it's like if you've never been anywhere, how do you figure out where to go? How do you do your itinerary? And then I looked up things to do in Japan, like top things. So many options came up, and I Googled, you know, just sites to see in Japan. And this one temple came up, this Buddhist temple. It's in Sendai. And it's this crazy huge temple. I thought, I have to go there. And there's pictures of it towering over these other buildings in the city. And I thought, yes, I want to do it. I want to go there. And I don't think it showed up in like top things to do in Japan, you know, because Sendai is not like a top city to go to. But I thought, yes, I'm going to do it. And it also came up in Sendai that the time of the year I was going, I wanted to time it with the cherry blossoms. So it warms up like in the Tokyo area sooner. And then further to the right of the country, it warms up slower, you know. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna land in Tokyo and then go up to Sendai, which is where the cherry blossoms are. So, anyway, this was months ago, and I've been planning it and planning it. And maybe like two weeks before I went, I finally had my itinerary finished. You know, first off, I booked the flight, and then I booked. The half of my trip, which is one week, and then I booked the other half of my trip,、uh, maybe like a month later. So, anyway, I had it all figured out and I had my itinerary, everything scheduled. I went by myself. I feel like there's nothing better. I mean, yes, there is. There's something better than traveling by yourself, but it was very liberating. It was just like, yes, I did this. I can do this. I don't speak a word of Japanese. Was I nervous? Yes, I was nervous. But I thought, fuck it. That's it. Fuck it. So, <laughs> you know, that's my new, that's my quote. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. I was off for work because it's in between seasons. From Aspen, I flew to LA, which 
I'm only flying one way, but it was like almost $400. Like, come on, Aspen, stop. <laughs> so I flew to LA and I visited some friends, which was great to see. And we went out for pho and ice cream. Like, what else? The next day, I went to the LAX airport. I get to the gate for ANA, which is a Japanese airline. And I had to do a COVID test which I did in Aspen a few days prior because Japan wants three vaccines for COVID. And I had two and I didn't want to get another one. Like after the second vaccine, I didn't feel well at all. I had a lot of chest and heart pain and my face was gray. Like I was in a really bad way. I just didn't want to get a third vaccine. I got a COVID test and it was negative. So I'm at the airport, I show them, you know, what they wanted to see. But then they said it didn't say nasopharyngeal, that they didn't do a nasopharyngeal swab. And I'm like, but it's negative. Like, they did it. And they're like, no, we need to see the words nasopharyngeal. So I'm like, what? <laughs> so I called my doctor and I said, can you please send me this email? that says nasopharyngeal, you know, in it. That attendant was taken when I came back, which I had to step aside, you know, the desk for like 40 minutes to do this whole thing. And good thing I was early. When I got the email, I went to the desk. I showed her the email, this other attendant. She's like, okay, I don't care. She's like, where is that sheet of paper that says you had the test? I'm like, here. And then she didn't even care about the nasopharyngeal. I'm like, what? <laughs> So, I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. I have time. It's fine. So she's like, yeah, this is all I wanted. She checks me in and I'm like, okay, I go through security and I was really impressed. LAX International has it down. So they had these two security dogs and this row of people. So there's this line that you have to go through. It's like, step one of security so there's these two lines and you walk together you know me and another person we walk together past these dogs and as we're walking by the dogs sniff our bags but you have to walk together and there's security guards and they're like go you know and you walk and the dogs are sniffing they do this for every person and then you go through step two of security which is where they check your baggage and everything else but i was really impressed by that you know i love dogs even though security dogs freak me out even though i have nothing in my luggage but still like it still makes me nervous so okay i go to the japanese gate there's two airlines there's ana jal I think those are the two, yeah. No joke, and I'm not making this up, okay? But I go into the area, the waiting area of ANA, and this woman is doing Tai Chi. And I just looked up, is Tai Chi Chinese or Japanese? So Tai Chi is Chinese, but it's practiced in Japan. And I looked up what is the equivalent to Tai Chi in Japan, and it said Ai Chi which I've, I didn't even know. I've never heard of that. So anyway, this woman is doing Tai Chi and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm at the gate. Like I've, I've arrived. She's doing Tai Chi. So everyone is sitting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's still some time. The gate is very, very different than most gates that I'm used to. Usually there's a desk 
and there's, you know, like a little gate where you line up and the attendant checks your ID and your ticket, your boarding pass, and then you go through. This was different. There were five gates and it's all computerized. There's no attendant. You know, in case something goes wrong, there's an attendant, but the attendant just stays behind the desk and then you just do what the attendant says to do. Very simple. So it's time to board. It says it on a computer screen. Time to board. It really does. It goes through zones, normal, but nobody's getting up. Like everyone's just sitting and then it says zone one. So only zone one gets up. You know, usually when it's time to board, 90% of all the people get up and then they stand in this U shape around the boarding area and everyone's just crowding everybody because technically if you're zone three, you try to slide in with zone two. I mean, I know this because I've tried to do it, but people do it all the time, you know, so they don't want to stay seated until their actual zone because they're nervous. They won't be able to put their bag in. There won't be room from all the zone ones and zone twos. So anyway, they call zone one. Only zone one gets up and they all form a line and there's five check-in gates, you know, to scan. So it's a computer and you put your passport down and it scans it. It takes a visual ID of you, like a photo. And then if everything checks out, the door opens and you go through. And this is the case with each zone. Like nobody's getting up only for their zone. So it's super organized. Also very quiet. Like everything is very quiet. You know, usually people are talking, they're like, whatever, but that was the first kind of thing that I noticed. Organized and quiet. Those are the two, those are the two, um, you know, words that really stayed with me throughout this whole trip. You know, so I'm like the last zone. I don't know why I was the last zone, but so my zone comes up super fast. You know, I, I scan my passport. It takes a picture of me the computer and the gate opens. Usually there's this whole backup line. You know, you're waiting to get on the plane as you go through the boarding gate. It's so organized that everyone's just, yeah, we're already on, you know? So I get on the plane, I had a carry-on. I put that above me and this is a Dreamliner. So a Dreamliner is a bigger model. So in the center, it has five seats and I want to say five and then on the side one side it has three and then the other side it has three like it's it's bigger there's no like shutters I don't know what to call it you know like when you close the window you slide down the plastic curtain if you will it didn't have that it had a sensor below it and then when you put your finger on it it turns black which I'm like, what? I haven't, I haven't seen that. And also, there's more space for your legs. You know, obviously, I fly economy. And the flight was 11 and a half hours to fly there. And then it also had a leg rest, which you can push down. And of course, you have your own, you know, screen. So I'm sitting. I'm not making this up, but I'm, I sit down. Everyone's already buckled in. Like, I look around. I'm like, oh, everyone's ready. You know, and I, yes, I was in the last zone, but there were other people with me, but everything just happened 
really organized. And I know I'm not even in Japan yet, and I've been talking for like 10 minutes, but <laughs> like, I was so impressed with this whole thing. Okay, so I'm sitting, I'm buckled, like I just buckled in. Two minutes later, the plane starts to move. And I'm like, what? Like, what is happening? You know, usually it takes like 30 minutes because they talk about all the safety, they talk about the weather, like everything, right? And then the pilot talks, and this didn't happen, okay? Everyone is just buckled in, and the plane moves after two minutes, okay? And then. As the plane is moving, it's taxiing, and then there's a video that plays for safety, you know. But it was so organized, I was so impressed. And next thing I know, I'm in the air. Like, takeoff wasn't even, it was very smooth, I guess, because its model is just different. You don't really feel it like you do in the regular Boeing. Um, like the 747. But before I know it, I'm in the air and I see LA from above. And I'm thinking, wow, this, this process was so different. And I totally wasn't used to it. Next to me was a man who was wearing a mask. And, you know, in Japan, they didn't open to tourists, I'm going to say, what, in January of 2023? Like, you know, they are still wearing masks and the flight attendants were wearing masks and a lot of people on the plane. It wasn't mandatory, but a lot of people just did. So the man next to me was sick. And I'm like, no, like, why? <laughs> why is he sick? He was wearing a mask and he was old, like older. I want to say in his 70s, maybe 80s, like old. And he was sick. And I'm thinking, oh, I guess I'm going to wear a mask because I don't want to, I don't want to get sick, right? That made me a little nervous because once when I flew to Switzerland, This, and this was before COVID. The like teenager next to me was so sick and he was coughing the whole time. And this obviously nobody was wearing masks then. And then I got sick when I first arrived to Switzerland, like a few days later, because of this whole flight, you know. So now this man was sick next to me. So I pretty much watch movies the whole time. And everybody is so well behaved on the flight, like nobody's being obnoxious. You know, if a light comes on to buckle, people are buckled right away. Like, yes, it's common sense, but also they're just doing it. You know what I mean? Nobody's telling them to do it. And everything was just as it should be. That's why they got to take off, you know, so soon. And then, of course, the one person that has his seat back, you know, he had to be told by the attendant was like an American teenager who was being obnoxious. Which I was like, ah. And also, he was wearing pajamas. Like, I get it. You want to be comfortable on your flight. I don't know about wearing pajamas. Like, I think that, like, don't do that. And then the flight, the whole flight was just, was just quiet. I don't know. It was usually I don't really pay attention to that, but I noticed it so much. You know, and as I was flying, I was thinking, I've flown a lot as a kid. And when my parents had their own business in England, They were busy. So, my mom had a friend in Germany and she wanted me to visit her. So, I flew alone and I was maybe, I want to say like eight, like I was pretty young. And I flew with British Airways and there was someone with me who basically brought me to the gate and everything. And I met the pilot, like, you know, th that was in the 80s. So, back then, if you were a kid, that was a highlight. 
and you were flying alone, they said, do you want to meet the pilot? Do you want to meet the pilot in the cockpit you know, on, on British Airways? And I was, yeah. <laughs> so they took me up front into the cockpit and I met the pilot and I saw all the switches and buttons and I was so impressed. Now, I mean, now that would never happen. You know, now everything's like a safety issue. And I thought about that on my flight. I'm like, wow, things have really, things have really changed. So I have to go to the bathroom. This is maybe after a couple hours on the flight. Sometimes airplane bathrooms are gross. If there's turbulence or the plane's moving and it's a guy peeing, you know, you know what I mean. It's just not that clean. So I, I kind of hate using airplane bathrooms. And also I have a problem and I'm just going to share this, but I can't pee under pressure. It's, I just can't do it. So if, if there's a long row of people waiting to use the bathroom and on the flight, this is the only one, you know, I can't pee like on demand. I feel pressure if there's like all these people waiting for it, you know, so, so sometimes I'll just let people go ahead of me. And it's really just... It's not because I'm being generous. It's just because <laughs> I know it's not going to happen. So there's nobody waiting. And this bathroom is clean. So I just saw a woman, uh, a flight attendant, come out of the bathroom and she cleaned it. Obviously, so it's clean. But, but I saw cleaning regularly. And as she comes out, she like bows to me. And I'm like, oh, that was like my first, that was my first bow. I'm like, oh, let me bow back. So I, I used the bathroom, super clean. I'm like, okay. And to flush, there was a sensor. So you put your fingers, you know, on the sensor and it flushes. I'm thinking this is the whole new technology for me on planes. So it's right before the meal. We're about to have our first meal. And I was watching that Whitney Houston movie, the new one that just got released about her life story. And I had a moment where the movie is so American, but everything around me is Japanese. You know, it was like a weird moment. I get my food and it was soba noodles, seaweed salad, green tea. Everything is green tea. You can have it hot, you can have it cold. It's unsweetened. You know, it's healthy. I had um, seafood over turmeric rice. They didn't have dessert then. That came out later with coolers because they gave me an individual haagen ice cream. And it's pronounced haagen not haagen because it has the two dots, which are umlaut above the A. So it's haagen Just want to say that. <laughs> in the movie, in the Whitney Houston movie, she was singing, I want to dance with somebody. And the first time I heard that song, it just came out. Yeah, I remember when it came out. I was with a friend of my mom's in England. We went to London for like a day trip and we had breakfast there was a tv and that's when it was just released like the whitney houston song came out and that song was playing very loudly and i remember it as i was eating my english breakfast which was baked beans fried egg which is you know sunny side up in the u.s toast triangles sausage yorkshire pudding but i didn't have the sausage because at that point i was vegetarian so i never really talked about this but I was vegetarian for 25 years. At age 10, as I said in a previous podcast, I decided to become a vegetarian. Yeah, I, I did eat fish. And what happened was in my 30s, my bones were aging faster than the rest of me. I did this whole bone density test and everything. And not every blood type 
you know, depending on what blood type you are and, you know, whatever else goes into it, genes, I guess, it's not healthy for everybody to be vegan or vegetarian long term. You need different forms of protein depending on what blood type you are. I'm O negative. Anyway, I, at age 10, I decided to become a vegetarian. And then for 25 years, I didn't eat meat. You know, it's a long time. So yeah, my bones were aging faster and I started eating soup, like chicken broth. And after a month, I noticed I had more strength. Like I didn't feel like I was weaker or anything was different, but it was when I started eating the broth and I would eat it maybe like twice a week. I did notice I had a lot more strength, which was super interesting, you know, and I still, I don't eat every form of meat. Sometimes it grosses me out, I'm put off by it. So anyway, I'm going off topic again, which I'm good at. That was when I saw the Whitney Houston music video. And now I'm seeing the Whitney Houston movie. And okay, so there's this quote in the movie that she says, I know, I'm, I know this is like, this is, I'm not being random because this all leads up to my trip to Japan. So let me just talk about that because Whitney says in the movie, says it's about love, the things we do to get it and the things we do to keep it. And I feel like I could talk about that in another episode because people do weird things, you know, to be loved, to get love, right? And I feel like I've done that just to have a relationship, you know, like, in my 20s, I wanted a boyfriend. I wanted a relationship. I don't know if I intentionally changed myself, but I thought, you know, if I'm a certain way, if I'm this way, then I'm more lovable or I'm more attractive to somebody. And then the things you do to keep it, I mean, you don't necessarily maybe speak your whole truth. You know, you keep things inside and basically... Yeah, this is like my marriage, which that's another episode because I haven't really talked about that. Um, I guess I've been avoiding it, but it really stuck with me what she said. <laughs> so I'm having like revelations on this flight, you know, deep thoughts. And uh, I thought that was really interesting when I decided to go on this trip. You know, obviously my quote was, fuck it. <laughs> and yeah, it just... Um, I had a lot of mixed emotions, you know, because obviously I'm excited I'm doing this by myself. I'm feeling really just invigorated, but at the same time, I'm nervous. And at the same time, I also wish I could share this with somebody, you know? I mean, there's so many mixed emotions, but I'm not gonna sit and wait around for anything, you know, or anybody. That's my thing, you know, I don't care. And now, you know, if I think about that quote that Whitney said, I am myself. And if somebody doesn't like it, that's not the right person. You know, I'm not going to change myself or mold myself into what that person wants me to be. Right? Yeah, it was, it's like a huge arc, you know, from my 20s versus now, my 40s. And I love that. Like, I love that I don't care. And I wish, I wish I were like that in my 20s. Because if I were like that in my 20s, I feel like I would be so much further along now. Like, how would I have been now if I was so bold in my 20s? You know, like, I think about that. But anyway, as I'm flying, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot of joy because I just feel free. 
you know, not because I'm not in a relationship, whatever, but I just, I can do what I want to do. And sometimes I was smiling like ear to ear, like just this huge smile because I'm super excited too. I don't know how I'm going to get to all these places in my itinerary that I've planned, but I'm going to do it. Okay, so we land, everyone gets off very orderly. That's the theme, you know, it's all about organization. So right before I left for Japan, it was maybe, I want to say, four days before. I looked up, like somebody told me to book the trains, and I thought, well... Okay, I'll take a look. But then it suggested, so the major company for the train in Japan is Japan Rail. So it's JR. They advertise saying book unlimited rides, you know. So for two weeks, it was $400 and I was taking the train a lot. Trains are not cheap, but it included the Shinkansen, which is the bullet train. And it also included the local trains within the city. So I had no idea, you know, I don't know, but I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I'm using the train a lot. Let me get this pass. So the thing with the pass is it has to be delivered to your door and I have to take it with me. When I land in Japan, I have to take it to a ticket office, basically for tourists, because there's two ticket offices, one that was for Americans or English people, you know, because they spoke English and one that was for the local people. When you land, you take this pass to the ticket office and then they issue you the actual pass that you're going to use for the trains. So I do that. I get a two-week pass, $400. As soon as I landed, I was like, okay, I'm going to get this taken care of because that night I stayed at the airport hotel because I knew I'd be tired and just feeling strange because I didn't really sleep. You know, it was an 11 and a half hour flight, but I was watch I watched like three movies. And also a movie that I watched on there was Two Leslie, and I don't know if you've seen it, but I was just crying the whole time. <laughs> but it was really good. It was an excellent movie. The ending was good, so that's all that matters. We land, and everything's, the signage is excellent. So like the airport is connected to the train station, and then there's all these shops in there. You know, there's all these levels of shops. And that seems to be, that's a typical thing in Japan. You know, everywhere you have a bunch of levels going down. You know, usually you have like the train station and then below that is a subway, you know, but everything's very clean. Everything's very organized. Everything is signed and labeled. And, you know, even me not speaking Japanese, it didn't matter. It was either Japanese or English. Those are the two languages. And then there's signs for ticket office. And there's a really long line. Flights had just landed and everybody did the same thing. They got this pass. So I waited in this line. It took about an hour. Like it was a long line. And also issuing these passes takes some time because when you issue them, then you make a reservation. The next day I was going to Sendai and I thought, okay, I need to get this straightened out now so that tomorrow I have no issues, you know, because I don't know how long all this is going to take, which I'm glad I did because this line took a while. They issue me this pass and I make a reservation. So the thing is, you take a bullet train for basically rides that are out of the city, you know, so the airport is in Narita, which is like 40 minutes away from Tokyo. And then Sendai was two hours. So anything that's, I guess, more than an hour, you would basically take a bullet train, which is called the Shinkansen. I made a reservation and each train has maybe like six to 12 
cars, two of those are for non-reserved. So now I have this pass, I can go on any train and it can be, I don't have to have a reservation, but I'm not guaranteed a seat. So if it's really busy, I might have to stand in the non-reserved car. So I made a reservation, I have a seat and everything. I'm like, okay, I'm set. I'm staying at the airport hotel and I don't know where to go. You know, so I go, to, there's an information and she says this platform for the buses, which is right outside this number. So there's this big coach. It's filled with people from England, Australia, US, pretty much. Okay. They load all the luggage and then we drive for like 10 minutes and then we're at the hotel and it's a quite large hotel. I want to say it had like 18 floors. Everywhere I went to hotels, they wanted a copy of my passport. They just show me which level, which room. I go up to my floor. I open the door. Hotel rooms in the U.S. are quite large in comparison to Europe and Japan. You know, rooms are quite compact and small. But this room was a good size. And this is the thing that is everywhere in Japan. You have a bidet toilet, you know, so each toilet is high-functioning. It's like a smart toilet. <laughs> so <laughs> it has all these buttons. So there's a button for, there's a woman on it. That is like the bidet for woman parts. And then there's a button with a butt on it, you know, and obviously that's, you know, for the butt. So, <laughs> and at first I was like, oh my God, you know, it's a bidet. So I'm thinking, great. You know, and then I noticed the bathroom has all these additions, like they have portable brush, they have a face scrub, toothpaste, toothbrush, like everything is there and it's ready, which I was really surprised by. Like here in the US, you get maybe makeup remover, shampoo, conditioner, and soap. You know, you don't get like a portable hairbrush and like a face scrub and like you don't get all these kind of add-ons, right? I'm like, oh, this is cool. But I'm tired, but I'm also excited. They're 13 hours ahead time-wise. So it's pretty much the opposite, you know, of the US. In LAX, in the airport, I got this, it's called Dream Water. And basically it has higher levels of melatonin and you're supposed to drink the whole bottle. It's not a big bottle. I shower and you know, I noticed the water pressure is excellent. Like it was super strong and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I thought maybe it's just this hotel, but it's everywhere. It's just excellent water pressure in the showers. I use the bidet. I just feel like I know this is maybe a weird thing to talk about is toilets, but I was so impressed with Japanese toilets. You know, I was like just super clean all the time. <laughs> and you know, and when you don't feel good down there, like if you're walking a lot, if you're hiking a lot, you know, you're sweating, whatever. It's just, it makes a big difference to have these bidet toilets. And it's just like fresh because the thing is, every toilet was like that. It's not just in this hotel. So I'm thinking, oh, it's just this hotel. No, it's every toilet, everywhere you go, every public toilet, it's all bidet everywhere, which I was so impressed by. And they're all so clean. Okay, more about that later. All right, so I'd take this dream water, 10 minutes later, no joke my eyes are like starting to close. Like I'm feeling really tired. I'm like, oh, it's working. <laughs> so, so I set the alarm, you know, because my train leaves the next day, not super early. Like I planned it really well. 
So I take this dream water. I wake up pretty early, you know, because obviously the time difference is so much. So I wake up and I decide to go have the hotel breakfast. I go downstairs. There's this huge buffet. And I'm so interested to see everything they're offering. It's traditional breakfast, Japanese style, which is fishball soup, soba. Like they have all these different different things. They also had um, American breakfast, I guess, to make, you know, Americans feel at home. So they had French toast, but it, it was different. So I had three courses of breakfast because I wanted to try the traditional Japanese and everything else they offered. I mean, I paid for it, right? So, <laughs> so I had like three courses and I did. I had the soup. I had the soba. There was edamame. There was mackerel. Like they had a lot of seafood for breakfast, which I was surprised by. But they had like sausages and just American stuff, you know? So I did waves of different breakfasts and I had fruits. And I noticed that the fruits were very sweet, very ripe. It was really nice, really delicious. And then I had green tea, I had coffee, I had some sort of dessert. I want to say like a pudding. Anyway, I had it all. I had it all. <laughs> and I checked out. I took the coach back to the airport because that's also where the train station is. So I go to the platform and it's a little bit confusing. There's a lot of different platforms. You know, you have the local rail, you have a subway, and then you have the bullet train platforms, the Shinkansen. I would just keep my eyes open for Shinkansen and like follow that, but I had to change trains. So I had to take the train from the airport to Tokyo. And then from Tokyo, I had to switch trains and go to Sendai. And that's where things got a little confusing, where it wasn't easy. Because in Tokyo, the train station is so huge. I got a little confused just where to go. And there's so many people and you kind of follow the wave of all these people. And then you end up somewhere completely different. But I was so surprised by the Tokyo train station. It was so nice. First of all, everything's clean, but that's that's the whole of Japan. Japan is just clean. And then they had all these shops. So I guess the thing is, in Japan, when people travel, they don't travel empty-handed. They're probably visiting somebody. And when they visit somebody, they bring a gift. And this gift is food. So they have these gift stores. They're just food. But everything is packaged in these beautiful boxes. And you see, like they give samples, like you can see what's in the box. And it's usually, it's not real food. It'll be like some plastic lookalike, you know, but so that way you know how it's being presented and what's inside. But the type of food they give, it looks so good. So I'm thinking, yes, I want to buy it all for me and try it. <laughs> so they'll have um, financier which is like a little almond French cake. So the thing in Japan is when you're giving gifts, it's mainly dessert. Their desserts are French-based, but they're better. You know, and I never thought I would say this because I love European pastries. You know, Germany, France, Italy, they all have specific things that you get when you're in those countries. In Japan, I noticed a lot of French patisserie like the names were French, also from the stores, a lot of French names, but these items were heightened. They were better than the French pastry. For example, if you had 
a financier, they would be in different flavors that you wouldn't see in France. You know, for example, matcha, that's a easy example. They would have this Napoleon. So the crust would be puff pastry. They'd have this custard in there, the same. But then they'd have this light, light sponge cake in there, you know, and then with a little bit of jam, like they would have more layers and different flavors and it was just heightened, which made me want to try everything, you know? <laughs> I'm like, because I think I know what this tastes like, but do I really? Probably not, so I have to try it, you know? And along with that, they had traditional Japanese treats, like mochi, I mean, like here we know mochi ice cream, like you have the mochi skin, and then you have the ice cream. But there, they have all the, just the mochi with mostly um, like either like a matcha paste or a bean filling. But the mochi itself was so fresh and it was so soft. Like it was much, much softer than we know here. Obviously it would be because it's made there. It doesn't have to be imported, you know? So I was just, I wanted to try everything. And I feel like I was eating so many desserts. First of all, that's my job, right? I deal with desserts. <laughs> I just, everything looks so good, you know? And I, I felt like this detective, this dessert detective. I had to try everything. Meanwhile, I was getting full. Everything was just so good. I went into this Japanese bakery and everything was prepackaged, which... I've seen in New York, you know, that type of bakery because they have a lot of like Japanese, Korean style bakeries, but they have French names, you know, which that's what got me kind of thinking, oh, this is the same in New York, but that's how it is in Japan. You know, everything's prepackaged and then you grab a tray and tongs and you just pick what you want. I'm picking like six things because I'm like, oh, I don't know this. I have to try this, you know? And meanwhile, it's just me. Like, when am I going to eat this? I don't know. I'll figure out a way. Don't worry. So yeah, I go into this bakery and I, and I get all these different things. And then they have this market. It's Again, this is all in the train station. Like, I was so fascinated by the Tokyo train station. If ever I didn't know where to go eat, I would go to the train station because the food there was excellent. Like you had all these little restaurants and they were tiny. Like you might have 10 tables, you know, everything was super small and there were always people waiting. So you knew it was good because they were Japanese people. So for lunchtime, they would go from their offices in Tokyo to the train station and eat in the train station. So you knew it was good. I see this little market and it has all this sushi, all this sashimi, it has these like tofu rolls stuffed with rice, but it's not just rice. You know, it's like a tofu shell, but it has different flavorings. Like they have a sakura flavor, which is cherry blossom flavor. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get that. They have matcha flavor, obviously. You know, so I, I have to try all these different things, but it's not just filled with rice. Uh, the rice has different things in it. So for example, I didn't know, because everything was written in Japanese, I didn't know what was what. So I'm like, okay, I'll just get two of each. So the sakura had, had a little fish on the inside, you know, mixed into the rice. The matcha had like mushrooms, like tiny mushrooms. And I noticed that the rice wasn't falling apart. The rice was perfect. So I'm on the train and I'm eating so many different things. <laughs> but, 
but other people are eating too, so it's fine. You know, it's safe. So now I'm jumping to the train, but hold on. I have to find the right platform. First, I have to find the Shinkansen, which I find. And then you go through with your ticket. There's no barricade. You know, you go through the ticket machine, you put it in, and it comes out the other end. And you just walk through. If something is wrong with your ticket, or if you don't have the right ticket or something, and you walk, then the barricade comes out. You know, there's no barricade to begin with. Like in New York, the, like the turnstile, you can't do anything, you know, if you don't have a ticket, right? Like you have to go through the turnstile. So it's the same in Japan, but there is no turnstile. There's nothing. You just walk through. But if you walk through without a ticket, then this turnstile comes out, you know, and kind of blocks you in. And then this red light comes on and it alerts the person at the desk who's taking care of everything. So it's interesting because people in Japan, they do the right thing. They're not looking to steal or they're not figuring out a way to beat the system, which I feel like is always a thing in the US, you know. I had this pass, but I made this reservation on the train. So I, I put the ticket through and it comes out the other end. So you keep the ticket, but on the actual train, there's no person checking if you have a ticket because you have to keep your ticket. Like you can't get in without a ticket. You know what I mean? So there's no way. So you don't need a person on the train checking if you have a ticket or if you have the right ticket. And then you keep your ticket. So when you get off the train, there's another turnstile, but technically not. You just walk through and you put your ticket that you just used in again to exit. You know, so if something's wrong, like let's say, let's say you had a reservation, but you, you went a stop further, then you have to pay extra. So then if you swipe your ticket through and you're not where you said you would be reservation wise, then you have to go and pay the rest of the fare, if that makes sense. So you always had to keep your ticket after the actual ride and get it out, which I didn't know at first. I'm like, what are, you know, what do I put through here? So I just did that and I'm like, okay, now I know. I'm still on the platform. <laughs> so there's these people and they start lining up for each car. So if you're in car, you know, one, there'll be the sign that says one and on the platform, it'll be painted, you know, start lining here. So now there's all these lines forming and everybody does it. You know, like here on the platform, you just stand anywhere, right? And the train arrives and you kind of cluster and you get in. But it's not like that there, okay? So the train stops at exactly where it says it would stop. You know, like where it was painted on the platform. It's going to stop right there. And then that's where the line is. First of all, I'm doing everything wrong. I'm eating a cream puff, which were amazing. Like, because I have to eat like my six things that I bought, right? <laughs> so, so I'm eating them on the platform and, and they don't do that. They don't do that in Japan. You don't eat in public. Like you don't eat when you're walking. You don't eat by the train station. There they only eat when they're sitting and it's designated that you can eat. Okay, so you don't walk and eat. And also there's no trash cans anywhere. I ate and then I have to walk around with this trash. You know, obviously there's a trash can on the, on the train, but there's no other trash cans. I noticed that, you know, it's interesting because everything's so clean, but there's no trash cans, right? But it's only, they do what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it, which like blew my mind. 
Okay, so I'm lined up. Like I see they're lining up. I'm like, oh, I need to line up. Okay, and then on my ticket it says it says which car, which seat. So I go to that seat, and there's all these pictures of things that you should or shouldn't do, like on the train. And the first thing I noticed is silence. Like silence. You should be quiet everywhere. That's what that's that's what it says. It doesn't say that, but it says there's a person talking with an X through it. Okay, so don't talk. And then there's a computer, like with a keyboard, and it, and it, with an X through it. Like you can be on your computer, but it says to type quietly, like have your noise off, wear your headphones. And then there's like the speaker on the train. It says everything in Japanese and then in English. It mentions all the stops, so I'm like alert because I want to make sure I'm on the right train. You know, that would be a nightmare, but everything's correct. And then it says, please be quiet. Please respect the people around you. And I'm thinking, oh, like this is, you know, this is the thing. This is the thing. Respect and silence. You know, it's not about you. Like in the U.S., it's about it's about the individual. It's about yourself. Like it's selfish. The U.S. is selfish. <laughs> and Japan is not like that. It's respectful. It's be considerate of those around you. You know, I think those are big words like respect and consideration. This little girl, she's like a couple seats ahead of me and she turns on her phone and she turns on Instagram. And right away, this music video starts and her dad looks at her. He gives her like this deathly stare. And she's like all of a sudden panicking to turn off the sound on her phone, you know, and, and maybe the music was playing for a second. That was intense. You know, no, nothing loud. Everyone is quiet. And I saw babies. I saw a couple of like Japanese babies. How do they get them quiet? I don't know, but everything was quiet. I put my luggage above my seat and just doing that was loud because everything was so quiet. And then the conductor walks through and he just checks on each car, make sure everything's good. He doesn't talk to anybody. He just walks through like slowly, you know? And at the end of each walkthrough, he would bow and nobody cared. Like nobody's looking at him. I was watching, you know, because everything's different. And I was so intrigued by that. You know, he, he just walks through, he bows like out of respect and he goes to the next car and he does this in each car and nobody's interacting with him. It's just what he does so i'm on the bullet train it's going super fast i think it's like 200 i want to say 260 miles per hour so i get to sendai i arrive and it's a weird time because i can't check into the hotel until i think 3 or 4 p.m but it's it's like 1 p.m or something like that so i have my luggage with me but it's not huge so i'm thinking okay i really want to go to this buddhist temple i figure out how to get there and the best way is to take a bus but everything's written in Japanese you know so I didn't know like I was trying to figure out which bus to take and where it went but there was no English it was just Japanese characters so I went in to ask it was like a tourist information which again the train station in Sendai it's like five levels just train station and then below that you have subway you know, and then above that you have shopping. So this whole thing is maybe 10 stories, like 
And then if you go further up, there's a food court, which are always amazing. And then you have massage chairs, which I thought was funny. And they weren't just regular massage chairs. They looked super comfy. So anyway, I went to this tourist information and then she explained how to get there, which was great. I take the bus and it was interesting because I get on, you know, where the where the bus driver is and I want to pay and he's like, no. I'm like, what? Is it free? <laughs> he's like, no. Like, no. And then he said, just, you know, sit down. But, you know, gesturing because he can't speak English. So I'm like, I have no idea. And then this woman on the bus just shows me. So in the middle of the bus, you take a ticket, you know, not where the bus driver is. But what we know as the exit door, that's where you get the ticket so in japan you enter the bus from the middle of the bus and you take the ticket and then when you leave you put the ticket into the slot and it tells you how much to pay and then you leave where the bus driver is usually it's like a set fare it's not like the train or the subway where depending on which stop you go it's more or less you know money wise but the bus is pretty much a set rate and it's using coins maybe like two dollars or maybe even less now so everything in japan going into it i thought it would be expensive you know i was looking at like some resort hotels because i work for marriott so i'm thinking maybe i'll get some hotels at a good rate no they're all super expensive but they're resorts and they're out of the way so I didn't go with Marriott. I went with other hotels, like Japanese hotels, because they were a fair rate. I wasn't there for the hotel. You know, I was there to see the country. So I was always out. I was only at the hotel to sleep. I didn't go crazy on hotel rates. You know, so I thought based on the resort, based on the Marriott resort, I thought the country's going to be expensive. But it really wasn't. You know, you can get an excellent bowl of ramen and it's like 1200 yen, which is, I don't know, maybe like 10, 11 dollars. And here that would probably be like 24, 28 dollars, you know, depending where you go. So everything food wise was super high quality, but not expensive. I thought I was spending all this money because it's sometimes it's difficult to kind of keep track, you know, when everything is like thousands of yen. But then I looked at my statement like online and it's not, it's like $9, $10, like nothing was crazy. I thought, wow, like, but for the quality that everything is, it, it should be more. <laughs> like, it was so good. Everything was so good. Everything was fresh. Everything was high quality, all food. You know, if I had fruit, it was ripe, it was juicy. It was excellent. Everything was excellent. So I get to Sendai, I figure out the bus, I get on the bus, and I'm sitting there. I showed him a picture of the statue, or basically where I want to go. And he said, you know, like he nodded his head. He's like, yeah, basically stay on the bus. My stop came, and it was pretty much right by the statue. So let me tell you about the statue. And again, I viewed this statue months ago, and I thought, yes, I want to go here. So... I'm right in front of it, and I can't believe it. I can't believe that a few months ago, 
I was looking at pictures on my phone of the statue, and now I'm in front of it. You know, it's not so much the awe of the statue, even though it's pretty amazing. It's the fact that I saw this picture, and it's somewhere completely different on the other side of the world, and now I'm in front of it. You know, it's like... I just felt so accomplished. I felt so proud of myself that, wow, like I did this. I figured out a way to get here and now I'm here, you know? So it's a huge statue. It's 280 meters. I think it was that, you know, don't quote me on that. It was very tall and it's towering over buildings in Sendai. So when you're at the top of a mountain in Sendai, you can see the statue. It stands out. It's white. It's a figure. And you go inside of it, and the entrance is a dragon's head. So the entrance is a mouth. You're entering through the mouth of a dragon. And you go inside, and there's... Again, it's very quiet, but there's also nobody there. I'm the only person at this point. There's a person, you know, you have to pay to get in. I think it was like $5, not very much. You go around, there's a bottom floor, and it has very large statues, you know, Buddhist statues all the way around. So the building is round, you know, so I'm going in a circle, viewing all these statues, and then there's an elevator, and it takes you up to the 12th floor. And I leave my bag with the lady at the front. I go up this elevator and it goes up kind of fast, you know, and I'm wondering how is it going to be when I get out? I get to the top and there's these tiny, tiny windows and I look out and everything is so tiny. I mean, I'm in a statue and it's huge. And there's this wind blowing in, you know, there's like, it's very high up and it was a windy day. And there was wind going in, I guess, the cracks around the window. I don't know. But it's whistling. You know, that's the only sound in there that I hear. Is this, And it's kind of eerie. And then I walk over and there's the staircase. Like all these stairs. And it's going around. If the, if the building from a bird's eye view is round, the stairs are going along the whole edge of the outside wall. You know, and... It's spiraling down and it's huge. Like it's, it's just very large and you're just going down in a circular motion. But in between the spiral staircase are these platforms. There's 12, you know, there's 12 levels. So there's 12 of these platforms in the center of the building. And it's like this tower, you know. So from where I am, from the top of the stairs, I can look down all the way to the first floor but in the middle of this there's all these small statues all these small buddhist statues and there's a slot below them and you can write letters you can write wishes prayers to anyone that you want and they're all different gods you know for different purposes and there's um 108 i go on each level and I can't believe it. You know, it's so quiet in there. There's the whistling of the wind. There's nobody else at that point. It's crazy. Like, I'm just in awe. And, and it kind of reminds me of a lighthouse looking down, even though a lighthouse is spiraled staircase in the center. But, I mean, this was a lot bigger than a lighthouse. I'm just in awe of this whole building, and I can't believe that I'm there. 
And it's so crazy that somebody built this, you know, that people build this, obviously not one person, but so I go on each floor, I go on each level and I'm just so excited to be there. You know, this is obviously like day one, you know, that I'm there. Yeah, so I'm looking at all these statues and by that point, there's two other people. I don't know if I can convey just the size of this building and it's so echoey. Everything inside of it is just, I've never seen anything like it. So I leave, you know, I'm there maybe, I don't know, an hour and a half or something. I take pictures, I walk around the statue, you know, because even from far away, it looks really cool with all the Japanese buildings. It's just so beautiful, you know, so I take the bus back. I find my hotel. So I booked this hotel and it said it had a hot spring. So I'm like, yes. I want to go there. <laughs> anything water related, anything hot springs, I'm there. I go to the front desk. I think what I did for the second half of my trip, I prepaid all of my hotels. But for the first half, for some reason, I didn't. I said, I'll pay when I get there, but I'm never doing that again. So just prepay, it's better. I think I just didn't want this huge credit card bill, which in the end you have anyway. It's just delayed a little bit more. I give them my credit card for the room and then they tried a few times and it's not working. I left my debit card in the US because I'm thinking I don't need it. I have some cash, you know, I have my credit card. It's fine, but I have two credit cards. I give them the other one and that doesn't work either. And I know that they're working because I paid them and I used the credit cards already in the train station and it's not working. So I say, well, this can't be. So I had them call like this 800 number and I spoke with somebody and they said, it's your, your account is fine. You know, it's just, it must be the terminal of the hotel, but other people were checking in no problem. And I don't know what it was. So I paid with cash for the first night. I got up to the room, it was tiny, you know, nothing special, but whatever. And then I look on Expedia and basically they let me stay there. I booked for two nights, but they said, pay for one night now and then try and get through to the credit card company and then you can extend it for the second night. But when I got up there, I decided to book a second night somewhere else through Expedia, which was no problem. If there's no issue with the credit card, how do I pay if I can't pay with this credit card? You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make any sense and I didn't want to use my cash. So I decided to get another hotel nearby, which is what I did. But then when I was checking in, he saw my hand tattoo. He said, are you going to use the hot spring? And I said, well, that's why I'm at this hotel <laughs> to use the hot spring. <laughs> because what happens is you have a robe in your room and you put it on, you go down, they give you this code that you can enter into the hot springs room and there is the hot spring, you know, and, and that's a whole other story. So he says, you cannot enter the hot spring because you have a tattoo. And I say, I don't understand like why And his English is kind of broken. So we can't have these huge conversations. I said, is it for religious reasons? And he's like, yes. And I looked it up later and it's basically like disrespecting your body, you know, and there um, gangs have tattoos. I, and I did see some people with tattoos, mostly in Tokyo, not very many people. 
So it's kind of looked down upon. So if you have a tattoo, they don't want you going in the hot spring. And obviously he saw my tattoo right away, but I wouldn't have known this otherwise. And he said, you can have this cover up tape and put it on your hand, which I paid for. I'm like, okay, but that's lame, right? Like, <laughs> it's fine if I cover it up, you know, that's fine. Because I thought, is this water so pure that a tattoo will ruin it or something like that? You know, like from a different viewpoint, um, but it wasn't that. So I'm like, okay, I will cover it up. So I'm in the room, I put on the robe and I cover up my tattoo, which is a weird cover up because it goes up my finger and, and anyway I'm like okay but I have another one on my other arm you know so I, I cover everything up I go down I do wear like a bikini and there's nobody else there so it's just me I feel like I shouldn't have covered up my tattoo but okay I did and then I go in there and you have to shower first you have to wash yourself first and there's a little stool with a hand shower and a mirror so you sit on this stool and it's a tiny stool. It's maybe, I don't know, like eight inches tall. Like it's really not tall. And you sit on it with a hand shower. You shower everything off. You're supposed to like scrub shampoo, body wash, like all this stuff. You have to like do a deep scrub. Only then can you use the hot spring. And I usually I know by kind of looking at other people, but I'm like, okay, there's nobody else here. You know, I'll just do it. So I wash myself and it's separate. So there's, there's one for women and one for men. And uh, I go into the hot spring, super nice. Like there's rocks. It's like indoor, but there's rocks surrounding it. You know, very, very hot. So I'm, I'm hanging out there and then there's a sauna. It's a, it's a small sauna. It's the hottest sauna I've ever like, experienced. And I go into saunas all the time. But this sauna, I don't know, it was like 200 degrees. Like it was so, so hot that my nose was like burning. And inside there's all these towels, you know, because if you sat on it, everything would burn. And weirdly, you know how everything's about silence, but in the sauna, there's a TV and it's behind glass so that it doesn't melt. And it's playing this Japanese Wheel of Fortune kind of game show. And everybody's like, you know, uh, laughing and and kind of yelling high pitch like da 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 like <laughs> you know and I'm like what like what is this doing here it's so weird so anyway I'm trying to relax in the sauna with this game show and uh, it's so hot it's so hot that afterwards there's this very very cold bath and you go in that cools you down and then there's another hot spring outside but it's so I'm in Sendai, I'm in a city. Like Sendai is a very large city, you know, so you can't see the city, but it's outside. They made it pretty with like plants hanging and there's a fence, you know, but you can kind of hear the outside a little bit, like some traffic. But I'm kind of burning up at this point and I'm so hot, you know, that there's a chair and I'm just sitting out there and I'm kind of like falling asleep a little bit. And then this woman comes out and she's naked and she goes into the hot spring. And then I realized, oh, like I need to be naked. How American of me to wear something in the hot spring. So yes, you're not supposed to wear anything when you go to the hot spring. You're supposed to be completely naked. But at this point, 
you know, it doesn't matter. And anyway, my tattoo covering is kind of coming off a little bit. It looks like, you know, my skin is coming off and it looks kind of gross. I feel like it looks worse with the covering than it would with just the tattoo. And then after the hot spring, you're supposed to scrub again. So you sit on this stool and you scrub yourself off again, then you dry. So I did that and I went back to the room and I slept that night. So the next day I woke up early. Obviously my sleep schedule is kind of weird. So I would wake up really early and then I thought, okay, I'm gonna walk. And I knew there was a park close by. So I was up maybe 6 a.m., something like that. And at that time, everyone's still waking up. Some people going to work. And, um, and the Japanese dress very conservatively, so you don't really see low tops, you don't see, you know, too much upper thigh, unless at night, sometimes people, you know, when they go out, but everyone's pretty conservative, and on the subway, the subways are very clean, the seats are cloth, and they're very comfortable, most people they're wearing masks in the subway not everybody but a lot and everything is so orderly same way on the subway before it comes in you line up there's a spot exactly by the door and you line up and also there are barricades so if you use the subway you can't see the tracks there's like a kind of a wall and when the train arrives it opens up by the door so there's no way you can be pushed on the tracks or commit suicide or something like that. So the next morning I'm walking and there's a park and there are some cherry blossoms. And this is the reason I went to Sendai right away because I looked on a map for cherry blossom blooming and around Tokyo they had already bloomed. So I went up to Sendai and I went in this park and there was a shrine off of the park and I walked over there and there are shrines everywhere and they're so beautiful. And the way you pray is you, you put in a little bit of money. There's like a little wooden kind of chest, if you will. And you throw money in. First you bow, and then you clap your hands twice. And then you bow again, like a deeper bow. And you say your prayers in that time. And I walked up to the top of the hill in Sendai and I could see the whole view including the Buddhist temple where I was the day before and then I walked over to the new hotel and I gave them my bag to take care of while I walked around the city and then that day I had ramen so I had um, a delicious ramen it was like nine dollars super cheap and you don't have to tip on top everything's included and this is a place called Dashiro so you pay by machine it was a thousand yen, which is about eight dollars and sixty cents. The quality was just so good. The flavor of the broth was deep. It had a lot of flavor. It wasn't overly salted. It was just perfect. And they had fresh soba noodles. You know, so you pay by machine, and thank goodness there are pictures of the actual ramen and which type you want. Like there's a picture of an egg. Yes, I want an egg, definitely. You put in the order, and this is like a really nice restaurants too. You would just put in the order or give the order in advance, and then they make it fresh in the kitchen. You know, they don't make, the machine doesn't make it. I mean, there are machines where you can get hot food and it comes out hot like a hot dog with cheese or something like that. Like they do have hot food in machines and it's actually quite good. 
Like, <laughs> I know it sounds gross, but all the food I had, even at a 7-Eleven, I started getting obsessed with 7-Eleven. Their snacks are amazing. Like, I could just live off of snacks. Their cream puff, first of all, I started to get addicted. I had to have one every day. It's not a regular cream puff. The sponge, like the shell around it, is so soft in a delicious way. It's not as soft as mochi, but I think it is made with glutinous rice flour, so the texture is just so different. And then what it's filled with, you know, it's it's fresh, it's creamy, it's a creamy custard, and it's not fake. It doesn't taste fake. Everything just tasted fresh, even though it was from a 7-Eleven. And the type of bread they have are milk. It's milk bread. And it's very, very soft. And they would make their sandwiches at 7-Eleven. And you can just buy them, you know, off the shelf. And the bread is so white. And they cut off the crusts. And I started getting obsessed with the egg salad sandwich. You know, it's nothing like gourmet, but it just tasted really good. You know, so if I went right for the day, I would walk around and go to temples or sometimes go a little bit outside of the city. I would make sure to go to 7-Eleven and get snacks. All the snacks were good. I would probably get like six snacks and of course a green tea. That's healthy every day. I would, you know, get a green tea and I like that it wasn't sweetened. Which the last day I was in Sendai, I took the train, the local train, and I went to a shrine called the Shiogama Shrine. And I didn't even know this was in Sendai. You know, so what I did was I went to so many places that it was hard you know, I had a basic itinerary. And then once I got to that city, I would look up what I wanted to do. Or if I took, when I took the train to get to that place, I would then research what is there to do. Because on the trains, there's free Wi-Fi. Everything, everything is free that you need. You know, they don't try and make extra money off of anything. So in the train, in the subway, there's free Wi-Fi and then also free bathrooms everywhere. Like, it's not like in New York sometimes or in a big city where you feel like you have to pee for hours because you can't find a restroom. It's not like that in Japan. And when you go to a restroom that's public, it's always clean. I don't get it. I just don't get it. And they're all bidet restrooms. So there'll be, um, there'll be a sticker. It'll say how to use the toilet. <laughs> Because us Westerners, I guess we don't know. Um, well, apparently we don't know. Because when I use a public restroom here, it's gross. You know what I mean? Like, there's always pee on the rim. And I'm like, ah. You know, because people don't sit. In Japan, it'll say how to use the restroom. It'll have pictures of, you know, a stick figure standing on the toilet. And then with an X through it. And then there'll be another stick figure with a person sitting on the toilet and there'll be a check mark, you know, and, and it'll just have all these pictures. So everybody just sits on the toilet. And the cool thing is I'm a little bit weird and apparently it's not just me. I thought it was just me because when I'm in a public place to pee, I can't pee on command. I know I've touched on this a little bit. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I don't need to know that. But the cool thing is in Japan, they have a privacy button. So if it's too quiet, you know, you press this button and then this whole wildlife scene comes on. There'll be a forest. There'll be birds chirping. It's not weird. 
because everybody does it, you know, so you're in your own world. And then, so when I first pressed this button, like at first I went in and it played automatically and I thought, wow, like that's cool. I can totally, you know, pee with this. And, uh, <laughs> and then it stopped and I'm like, oh no. So then I saw, oh, privacy button and I pressed it. And that's when the whole wildlife scene started again. And I thought, wow, how amazing is this? You know what I mean? Like in the US, the stalls, they're not private. The door is very high. Like, you know, in Europe, when you use the restroom, the door is to the bottom of the floor. So you have an actual, you know, private stall and the sides too. You know, so nobody can look underneath. Like in movies, you see all the time, people have to stand on the toilet so that they don't get seen that they're in the toilet. Well, in Japan, it's a full stall. Like the door is from top to bottom. So you have privacy. And then on top of that, you have the privacy button. So it's extra privacy with the sound effects. That reminds me of when I was a kid in, I think I was 10, something like that. When I was in England, I got stuck in the stall, like the lock wouldn't open and there was room to climb over it. So I did, I climbed out of the stall above it. And then there were these two girls in there that were watching me and they thought I was being weird, but I didn't, I couldn't get out of the toilet. But in Japan, you wouldn't be able to do that. It's from top to bottom. So if you're stuck, you're stuck, obviously. But the locks were different locks. It was just like a latch. You you undid it, you know, like you just lifted it up. So there was, it was really simple and there was no way to get stuck. Anyway, the toilets were amazing everywhere, everywhere. I'm not even joking on that. And I miss them. I miss, <laughs> I miss the public toilets of Japan. <laughs> so... Okay, so I took the train and I went to the Shiogama Shrine in Sendai and I walked a little bit, you know, so I didn't have internet access outside of certain public places. So I would always have my GPS and without it, I would have been lost so many times because, you know, it's not like I can really converse with people. They don't really speak English. You know, I can gesture and point to certain things and I would get an answer. But honestly, outside of that, I had no idea. So I'd always have my GPS. I made it to the shrine. And first of all, when you get to the entrance, like the entrances were always so grand and beautiful. And I mean, these shrines, they're 600 to 1,000 years old. Like, think about that. That is so much history. The entrance would be about 200 steps. You know, and then there'll be these statues on the side of it. I mean, these are hundreds of years old and it's such a sight. You know, you get to the entrance and you look up and you have to go up all these steps, which is cool. But I remember that day I had to pee really bad and I'm like, okay, I have to make it up these steps. I can do it. You know, and there were small steps, but still, it's a good workout. And there I was tall. You know, I'm average height, but in Japan, I was pretty tall. The people are more petite and shorter on average. So that's why I got stared at too in the hot springs because my body's a different build. You know, I'm not petite. Yeah, I have, you know, hips. So... The women would always stare at me in the hot springs, which didn't make me feel any better. You know, that's weird. 
Okay, back to the shrine. So I walk up all these steps. Maybe it takes like 15, 20 minutes. It's a good, it's a, you know, there are a lot of steps. So I get to the top and there's all these cherry blossoms. There's different levels to the shrines. So most shrines, you'd have stairs. There'd be a first kind of building, a temple that you walk through. And then there'll be more stairs. So there'll be different tiers to the temple. In the Shiogama Shrine, you had the entrance temple, and then it was a big square, and there were all these buildings in a square. And there were these two geishas, they were holding these paper umbrellas right under the cherry blossoms. And I was so just taken aback, and it was really emotional. You know, I don't know, it was just, I went there by myself, I figured everything out. I was just so proud of myself and and I would smile from ear to ear because there was so much beauty and I took so many pictures. Seriously, I think I took like 1500 pictures and that is not an exaggeration. Everything was beautiful. The architecture, the statues, the cherry blossoms. I mean, everything together was just magical. I could not take enough pictures. It was so beautiful. And then just going to all these temples. I feel like it was it was just a heightened experience, you know? And when you visit all these temples, I mean, there's different trips you can take in Japan for sure. So like for me, it was about the cherry blossoms and seeing the temples, you know? Or you can take a different trip and you can go to Disney World in Tokyo and you can go to Mario Kart World. Like there's there's different kinds of trips depending on what you're looking for. You know, but I wanted to see the culture and I wanted to see all these old buildings and temples. So it was perfect. It was so perfect. And that was the first kind of major shrine that I went to. Because when I left Sendai, I went to the countryside. I needed to take four trains to get there because it doesn't just go there directly. And actually, 60% of Japan are mountains and countryside. And when I, when I took the train, there are a lot of paddy fields. Surprisingly, you know, you always see cities. You always see Tokyo and you see all these people and then the crossing. So you think, oh, it's just a lot of people. In the cities, yes, there are a good amount of people. But you don't realize how much countryside there is. It's so beautiful. I mean, the mountains are very steep, you know, and and they go up very narrow. And then you have these valleys in between and these tall, rounded rocks. So I did. I left Sendai and I took the bullet train passing Fukushima. And anyway, does anybody know what happened with Fukushima? Like, I've never heard anything about it afterwards, you know, after the whole nuclear thing. But I, I went through there on a train, and it's looking fine. I mean, so I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I didn't look around Fukushima. I took the train through there, and then connected to another train. And then I had to go on a small public train, and then that took me to the countryside. And I stayed at the hotel in Kinugawa, which is right by a suspension bridge which I crossed and then did like a little hike. There were waterfalls. The air was so clean. It was beautiful. And I have a waterfall thing. I love waterfalls. So if I see any sign for a waterfall, I'm going to go there. And there were a lot of waterfalls in the area, just really beautiful views. And I checked into my room. It was a traditional Japanese room. 
which means basically sleeping on the floor. Like you have a futon and it was a little thin, but I was just by myself in the room. So there was another mattress in a closet. So I took that out and put it on top of my other futon. So it was a double <laughs> mattress and that was actually comfortable. But I had this beautiful balcony um, with all the views and then I could make my own green tea. But what was funny is that because it was a traditional Japanese hotel, you could wear a traditional robe and walk around the whole hotel with this robe. And this was also a hot springs hotel, which is why I booked it. And again, you know, I still had some of that tape to cover up my tattoos because as I walked into the hot spring, you know, I wore the robe and everything and you have to take off your shoes right away. But when I w walked in, there was a sign that said no tattoos, you know, so I'm like, uh, okay, I will cover up my tattoos. I went after dinner, so it wasn't very busy. And again, there were a few women and they stared at me oddly. And this time I went naked. And again, women and men are separate. And this was a larger hot spring. So you had four different pools one cold pool super hot sauna again the saunas are just so so hot that the inside of your nose burns and then there was a a pool outside with multiple rocks and you could just kind of sit there and i'm not saying it's not nice to do stuff naked you know it's very convenient because you don't have anything dripping like your swimsuit everything just dries right so it's very convenient in that regard but it's just weird because when you go in, you undress and you put everything in a basket. There's no like changing rooms or anything. It's just open and then all the women are undressing and they're putting their stuff, you know, in individual baskets. And then you go on this stool and you scrub down with a shower head, you know, using the shower head and a scrubber and soap. And it's all open, you know, so where you where you scrub is right next to the spring so everything is just open everybody can see everybody you know and it and yeah i'm self-conscious you know i was raised in england my mom was always walking around naked at home like she was just very comfortable walking around naked and that was so embarrassing for me <laughs> like, and that she just did that and then being raised in england they're more prude, you know, and I think they're probably more open in England even than in the U.S. They seem as if they're open. You have to be careful with everything, with being naked, with showing anything. Yeah, it's just different. Because I remember in Germany, we would go to these public pools. I was like 9, 10, you know, my brothers were a bit older, but we all went as a family to the sauna section and the steam room section and everybody was naked. You know, and, and there'll be older men, younger girls like me, you know, and now looking at it, that seems weird. I mean, I was like 9, 10 walking around naked and there were like 40, 50 year old men. Like it, in this part, it wasn't separate men and women. It was all one, which now, oh, is that, you know, should older men be walking around naked with these young girls in there? Like, I feel like that's a thing in the US that would never happen. You know, and obviously it didn't happen in Japan. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. So anyway, I was just thinking about these things when I was naked in this hot spring in Japan. The whole thing was really nice. I was just self-conscious. And then I had bought some sake 
And after the hot spring, I went on my balcony and just sat on the balcony in my robe drinking sake. That was great. (laughs) I love sake. I'm not, I don't really drink. And when I do, I mostly enjoy, I just like the taste of it. I enjoy sake. And what was great there is that there's so many kinds. You know, in the U.S., you can get a pretty good selection of sake, like different ones. And when I was in Switzerland, there were like two kinds. You know, it was very hard to find. It was only in the main city. And that's it. You know, so the U.S., in in regards to that, you have a large selection. But in Japan, you have a giant selection. There was literally in the supermarket six shelves all for different kinds of sake i mean for me i love going grocery stores when i'm in different countries and just i was in this grocery store for probably an hour and a half just looking you know and they had amazing sushi in grocery stores it was like really high quality they had fatty tuna the salmon all different kinds and they different kinds of fish that i never even heard of and it was all fresh and so as i was talking earlier there you cannot eat as you're walking you know in public so even at the grocery store if you buy something that you want to eat they have a seating section so you can sit and eat what you just bought there and you can connect to wi-fi for free but they always provide you know for the customer so that you can eat you don't have to go outside and eat it outside they don't want you to do that you're not supposed to in the culture so yeah i would go to the grocery store sometimes for lunch and it was so good so i'm gonna have to stop it here because i have more to say i'm only like a few days in i did all these other things coming up this is japan part one and then the next one i'm gonna continue it was an epic trip it was just so empowering for what has happened in my life, you know, the past year, really, past year and a half. And I just felt really positive about it, you know, and I empower all of you who maybe are too scared to travel alone or, you know, you want to travel, but you don't have anybody to travel with or other people keep putting it off. Like, just do what you want to do. Don't wait for anybody. Just go and do it. It's so empowering. And there were a lot of single travelers in Japan, you know, and then you meet other people. Your world just opens up and just everything that you see that's so different. I love that. You know, that's why I love to travel, to see how other people live in another part of the world. I mean, how interesting is that? I'll do a part two and then um, we'll continue. So... Thank you so much for listening. And if you are traveling to a different part of the world, or maybe even this inspired you to travel to Japan, or you've considered it and, you know, never really realized, it's such a great place to travel to. And it's so tourist friendly. Seriously, I don't speak any Japanese. I didn't have a problem. There were no problems. And everybody was so friendly, you know? So if you're doubting traveling there, don't just go just get a rail pass and go okay so i'll do the part two next time thank you so much for listening to another episode of cat the baker i'm chef kb until next time